0: Spike, the gator Mm -hmm. that you met, was actually found in a crack house drug raid. And they used him to protect their money and their drugs, but they were. The guard gator. Yes, exactly. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Wilderness Wonders Podcast, Episode 3. Today we have two very special guests with us, Anita Wolf and Kenny Elvin. Both individuals are veteran falconers and wonderful people to chat with. Anita has spent most of her life educating and working with birds of prey, and Kenny is an amazing, experienced, and passionate falconer. This episode was brought to you by Mike's Falconry. On your next purchase of $50 or more, use the code WILDERNESS, W-I-L-D-E-R-N-E-S-S, and you can get 5% off your order. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, well, welcome to the Wilderness Wonders podcast. Uh, I am actually visiting uh, from Utah. I'm visiting California. We're here in uh, Paso Robles <laughs> and uh, pretty darn close to where I grew up. Uh, and I grew up in Pismo Beach area, which is only like 40 miles from here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, gorgeous, gorgeous area. We just had a really fun morning. Uh, flying a couple Harris's and uh, just flew the uh, I'll Land, shoot, uh, Lander, Lander Falcon. Lander. I keep wanting to say yeah. Saker Falcon. <laughs> yeah. the Lander Falcon. That was really, really fun to see. How about you two? Go ahead and introduce yourselves first, um, and then we'll kind of go from there.
0: So um, my name is Anita Wolf. Been a falconer for 32 years now, and um, absolutely love flying birds. It's like my happy place. It's awesome.
2: Awesome. Cool. How about you? Yeah, I'm Kenny Elvin. Um, This is my, just getting into my 18th year doing falconry. I love to fly, Um, you know, love to hunt. Um, I've had a bunch of birds that I fly every day and I've got a a nutty bunch of uh, birds. (laughs) Well, when I walked in, you had a
1: brand new Harris.
2: Yeah. Due to you. Yeah. Uh, somebody <laughs> gave me Savannah. a Harris' Hawk. Yeah.
1: yeah somebody Rescue. found a, Har- a Harris' Hawk, and, and uh, she looked pretty good. Huh? She looked
2: pretty comfortable on your She calmed too. right down. She got me yesterday, oh, and did? then <laughs> today yeah, she put me like, you know, swiped past me like 15 times, you know, connected yeah. up enough to give me a little bit of something to think <laughs> about. But, you know, I mean, you know, cool yeah, she's, she's calm. Um,
1: so... What was the first thing that, uh, I guess, started your falconry journey or or started you interested either in wildlife or animals? Um, What led you to the point that you're at now?
0: So, I actually ever since I was a little kid, wanted to work with animals, wanted to be a veterinarian, then realized that that is a lot of school, and I don't, not particularly fond of school, Um, went to an exotic animal training school, and that led me to my first job training North American animals for a stage show at the San Diego Wild Animal Park, and my boss was a falconer, and I didn't have a lot of interest in working with birds, and he said to me, Anita, you need to become a falconer. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And he goes, no, it'll look good on your resume. <laughs> I'm like, okay, why not? So he got me started on my journey, and I had no idea the impact it would take in my life. You know, now that I'm not doing wildlife education in schools, I only do falconry, I do abatement, and I do falconry school, teach, just get people up close to raptors because it's, I love seeing mm-hmm. that face they make the first time the bird lands on their glove. It's
1: it's fantastic, it's it's kind of (laughs) a really fun magical moment. That's probably actually where we first met was when you were doing your your animal education (laughs) and we didn't even realize it. Um, uh, You ran, or you started zoo to you you here, um, and and you traveled all over like San Luis Obispo County. Did you go further than that?
0: Yeah, we would go two hours from here. So all the way up to, almost to San Jose, down to, um Santa Barbara, Bakersfield, Visalia, mm-hmm. that whole middle part of the state which really wasn't covered as mm-hmm. far as wildlife education goes. There were other wildlife education companies, but nobody was covering the central part of the yeah. state. So we kind of like just stepped in. Were able in. to just
1: kind of capitalize yeah. on that. You didn't have a whole lot of competition. That's yeah, awesome. it,
0: was, it works out really well for us. That's yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: my my most uh, memorable moment seeing the Zootie program when I was uh, probably about ten or twelve, somewhere in there. Um, I saw you guys a couple times, but I do remember you having the alligator. It <laughs> may have been your lap. I, I'm pretty. Sure, I think it was you, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, <laughs> (laughs) you sat him down you're talking about the gator and it just takes a giant piss into the (laughs) (laughs) into the grass and 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 that for some reason stuck in my mind um
0: we always say there's nothing better than when an animal goes to the bathroom in front of the kids because they lose their minds i don't know why we love it i don't know but it's it's such an incredible teachable moment and i think that that was the time that we realized that we needed to keep our hand over the um, opening of the alligator, so he wouldn't Mm -hmm. do that on stage, although it made an impression on you, so
1: maybe. Well, it became so memorable, and I think that, that was the first time I got that close to an alligator, ever. And that was when I was just barely starting to really fall in love with reptiles and snakes. And and so you, you, that memory did play a part into my love for animals and wildlife. See? And so, yeah.
0: So you're, our, you're you're my one. We always joke that you, of <laughs> all the people that you educate, you just need one to follow through. So here you are. You're my yeah, one. You
1: so, you, yeah, you <laughs> definitely assisted in helping me really... You know fall in love with 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 animals like that what was what was it like running that that show because you started it yourself how'd you get how did you <laughs> start it and then keep it going it, yeah you
0: know? uh, yeah that was tough we started off it was um myself my roommate in college and um my boyfriend at the time who turned into my husband now my husband because he's no longer my husband but um We just, we felt this need to teach kids. And so what we decided is, we put the whole corporation together, got our nonprofit status. Luckily we had this land here. So we were able to build here and um, thank God for the support of our parents because I don't know how we would have been able to do it. But um, we just started rescuing animals and using those animals to educate with like Spike, the gator Mm -hmm. that you met, was actually found in a crack house drug raid. Oh and they God. used him to protect their money and their drugs, but the, they were the guard gator. Yes, exactly. And so when when the cops came in to bust them, they opened up the bathroom, and here's this. You know, at that time he was four feet long, and they immediately shut the door, called us up, and said, um, "Can you come get this gator?" And oh,
1: man. this is
0: prior to um, Crocodile Dundee and um, yeah. and you know Steve Irwin. So. We just kind of jumped in there and grabbed him and pulled him out, and they all made a big wide berth around us as we walked the gator out. <laughs> so Spike, as his name is, um, is now six and a half feet long, and
1: gosh, he's still kicking, huh? He's
0: still kicking. They live a long time. I know. That's and so awesome. He's an amazing gator. Like I, we really lucked out with him. He's very calm. He lets kids touch him, and we always say if you get to touch something, the impression is so much deeper. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, uh, the thing that you let us touch um, was the chinchilla. the chinchilla, and that was my first experience with the chinchilla as well.
0: you are so with, amazing. How soft
1: they were, and learning how they they bathe in ash and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like that, just that one show at the birthday party, uh, the information has stuck with me through all those years. Or at least some, I retained some of it. Even even with the porcupine, talking about the serrated barbs, one got stuck in. I, one actually got stuck in your shirt, even yeah. while you were doing the show. We
0: actually do that on and purpose.
1: So, oh, that that was a that was a little, uh, spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. now I'm so sort disappointed.
0: Of uh, <laughs> I do it that backstage. So cool. I sh- I shove one in my shirt and then I mm-hmm. hold it. Do you,
1: s- do you still run the run the show or?
0: I don't. Um, it's actually my daughter and my ex-husband that run it now. Oh, with, okay. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, they we actually absorbed two other wildlife education companies and so um we have one facility in or they have one facility in sacramento and then one down in los angeles so we're serving oh, awesome. almost all of california it's pretty amazing That is amazing
1: that that is has grown that's kind of my dream as well to be able to um start an education program <laughs> and and we've been working with some uh um, reptile programs in Utah. It's a little bit more competitive though. You it got, is. yeah, yeah, you got you got lucky. Um, did you involve your birds of prey in that program as well?
0: Actually, my first falconry bird, which mm-hmm. was my red tail, um, we would fly over the kids in the shows and funny is we would on our way to the show, we would stop in a field, hunt the red tail and usually catch something or we would do it on the way back. But then we'd always include that bird in the show and watching kids as this bird is like just barely going over their heads. It was always awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we started acquiring more, um, displaced ones, you know, ones that were injured, couldn't be released. Yeah. And, um so it became a little bit more intense and we actually started doing just a bird of prey program and, mm-hmm. you know, just about raptors. And it was one of the best received programs we ever did, which kind of surprised me.
1: I think one of the reasons why, you know, like these, these bird shows do so well or, or why people love them so much. I think it's because it's, it's the most, it's the, it's the easiest wildlife that you can find on your own. Yeah. Um, birds of prey stand out and they hang out most of them hang out right in the open and it's so easy to spot them and find them in the wild um, and I think- just just down your road i saw at least four red tails come <laughs> and so uh and and that you know i'm looking for them all the time but even somebody who who isn't if they just at least know that there's red tails or there's these birds of prey in the area from from these education programs they find them they do and and and, and, and people get excited about it i think that's why those programs tend to do really well, especially the bird programs.
0: Well, and I think because we can't fly, it's such a mythical behavior to us, and it just is something that, like, who wouldn't want to know how to fly? I mean, if I could fly, (laughs) I I would be. So I think when they get to see the birds fly, it's just such an awe-inspiring part of the program, and it always just touches them. And and I see more kids now, like, looking up. Whereas they never would have before, so mm-hmm. it's-
1: I didn't start noticing birds of prey until I became a falconer. Well, until I started working with, uh, um, just started working with some like wildlife rehabilitation centers, but really started noticing them when you're thaw- there's <laughs> things that you just wouldn't ever notice if you weren't one or yeah. looking. You know, just gotta look up, look up. Stop looking at your phone so much. Yeah, <laughs> most people well. do nowadays. Yeah. Um, now, how about you? How'd you start uh, getting into
2: into falconry. That I lived, yeah, I lived out in the hills most of my life, um, you know, outside of suburbia, not not real wild, um, but I started catching frogs, and we had uh, horses, and then, you know, uh, started catching lizards, always had dogs, um, and then a group of my friends shifted from catching lizards and snakes to talking about doing falconry, and then... Uh, later on, I just went, "Oh, okay, I can do this," and started. I've had ugh, a lot of different reptiles and amphibians. There's, I guess that there's a pretty common thread to have um, have people that are into reptiles and amphibians go into get involved in falconry. It really changed the way that I do things a lot. I've always had dogs. You know, I asked Anita, "What's the best animal?" You know, and I I've given it a lot of thought, and I really wanted to know what's the best best animal to have. And and really, to me, the dog is fits in so many different niches. Um, so, adding falconry, you know, you're using similar training stuff, and now you've got a dog and a bird. And you're out in the field, all working together. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see when uh,
1: all those animals kind of click, and they just hmm? no, they just figure it out, and, then, and <laughs> yeah, and and they all enjoy their time out there. Uh, what what kind of caught your interest into like reptiles at first?
2: Uh, catching or, stuff, just catching. Yeah, stuff? catching. Um, I was mainly um, uh, catching um catching uh, blue bellies, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and we had up in the hills. We had um, uh, horn toads, coastal horn toads. So, started finding those alligator lizards. Um, you know, a little of everything. And then you know, had a local pet store, and you know, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, let's go to the pet store and see what they have now." And then you know, you start making up stuff. Back in the day, you could buy spider monkeys. You could buy chinchillas. You, could, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you know, I. I used to have mice as pets, but I would have a mouse for about a week because I'd be carrying it around and stick it in my pocket and then start doing other stuff and the mouse would either escape or wouldn't make it well when
1: you when you start getting reptiles and snakes every mouse you get doesn't last too long (laughs) that's true that's true uh or or rat you you might as well just name all the rats and mice you get after foods and (laughs) (laughs) feed them to the snakes we had a mouse named fancy Uh, dessert yeah we did did. yeah Uh, i kind of have a similar background to you where, where my first was mostly reptiles, and mm-hmm. and got into you know having reptiles as pets, and then yeah, dis- discovering falconry changed kind of how you see kind of animals and wildlife and everything like that. What what was your first experience with with falconry? What was that like?
2: Um, well, I started. Uh, one of my old classmates, they were doing falconry Mm -hmm. um, in uh, uh, one of the guys I hooked up with was um, when we were in uh, third and fourth grade started studying falconry underneath the falconer. Um, And then it started really hitting home around eighth grade um, when they'd bring their birds to school and after school we'd be working with these birds outside. Um, And I got involved with uh, doing pest control with Falconry through one of those guys, and did that for four or five years. Traveled across the country, doing working on some contracts, and you really, when you're working with an animal every day, it completely changes things because you're getting a complete feel of what's going on. Absolutely, I, I.
1: Uh, when you got an animal with you, I always feel like there's like one additional you know living thing that you're caring about <laughs> and, yeah. and that's all constantly on your mind if they're doing okay or they're doing the right thing or or right. making sure they are set up how they they need to
2: be uh what what was your first bird that you had? Did you start with the red tail as well or well I um I had a choice um I was working with a guy so um he had um, Harris hawks, he had um, uh, Saker falcons. So I think the first bird that I really worked with more intense was a, a Saker falcon. Um, and then when I got my license, finally took the test and got my license, I got a Kestrel. I trapped a Kestrel. I'd actually trapped a couple that I'd worked with. Um, you know, when we're in the field, we're doing stuff and they get caught in traps so you're automatically oh yeah I got another one let's try this for a while and Mm -hmm. then you know turn them back loose again it's a ongoing process once I got my general Falconer um, license I um, for some reason just said I need to trap a red tail and I trapped a a 53 ounce female red tail and um, We caught some stuff, but she would go on these big flights. She started hooking up with these with these crows, and they would go out and start flying this ridge line. A couple of times, like three different times, she caught rattlesnakes when she was out flying. I remember seeing her facing off with the local female on top of a power tower. Um, you could hear them, but they're way far away. And she had the rattlesnake in her talons. And then um, she flew over, it was about a half mile from where I had, mm-hmm. f- was sitting on top of a hill. And um, so I knew where she would go and roost. And using telemetry, I'd find her. But um, climb up the tree and see what she's got. and. Um, yeah, it's pretty neat. Actually, I haven't had yeah. to run into any rattlesnakes
1: yet. At least <laughs> um, here, you get you get the diamondbacks all year round, and we yeah, Oregonensis,
2: um, Crotalus, yeah, Veritas, the, the green name. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the, can't remember the common name. It's like a <laughs> yeah. Oregon rattlesnake, but coastal yeah. rattlesnake. It's not mm-hmm. as big as a diamondback. Yeah. Yeah, and and.
1: Uh, where, where I live we get the uh, great basin rattlesnakes they don't get very big either mm-hmm. uh, thankfully we haven't had a run with them but my hawks grabbed a few like racers you know and, and, oh, and cool. some of those small snakes and um, it, it's really funny when you're trying to out you're out trying to hawk you know rabbits or you're out trying to hawk um, some squirrels you know whatever it is that you're going after and it's funny when the when the birds get distracted by all the little things you didn't want them to get distracted
2: by. <laughs> right they stop and eat a mouse yeah, on the way. on the you way know? and you're like oh, oh, oh. okay <laughs>
1: yeah. cool that was so exciting. <laughs> Well, that's maybe that's blast. why
0: i've never flown kestrels
1: <laughs> they're always yeah. catching tiny things tiny things um well you get a kestrel small if you can go after starlings i don't, i i don't know how many starlings you get around here it doesn't seem like as much but oh, it's all where you go right yeah
0: seasonally because um okay, the grape seasonally. industry brings in oh yeah yeah so over
1: on the vineyards there's a lot of them or, oh, gosh. or i do yeah. i do see that um how was how was you, uh nito how was your first you know red tail you said you had a red tail first
0: what Correct. was your first red tail like was actually passed down to me from another falconer and it was an imprint which nothing uh, more dangerous than yeah. an imprint red tail and and it was yeah, interesting people don't like that. yeah, yeah. My, I, my sponsor was kind of like if your bird isn't really really hard to work with you're really not going through an apprenticeship <laughs> so um that he was a great bird i mean like he we would catch jacks all the time with him um but you had to be on your toes one time i didn't have one of his jesses and he had so this foot wasn't being held down and i bent down and he actually sliced the back of my ear open just because you know and then i'm bleeding and of course then that became very interesting to him um he did catch a young coyote one time.
1: Oh my gosh, tell us about that.
0: (laughs) I I don't know who was more scared, because once he, I don't know what he was thinking, but I come up and there's maybe a 10 pound coyote pup, and it's wide eyed, and my bird is wide eyed and holding it by the face and by its shoulders, (laughs) and so I kind of walked up and I'm like, ah I don't even know what to do now. So I just grabbed the jesses of my hawk, put my foot on the shoulders of the coyote, I threw my hawk off and the coyote ran and I ran and the oh, bird you, flew. You didn't pack it's it? Come on. Oh, it was, I was so afraid that it was going to turn around and bite my bird. But, <laughs> you know, coyotes te-
1: Typically... You almost had a chance to say you bagged the coyote. Yeah.
0: Was,
1: and you missed the opportunity. I did. I missed it. I was
0: so scared. I didn't know. Oh, I God. thought for sure my bird was going to get eaten. But mm-hmm. I actually passed that bird down to one of my apprentices and she flew him for two seasons and um, I had acquired a couple hair socks and i was out there helping her fly this imprint red tail and i'm like now i remember why i hated this bird but i mean we caught a lot Uh, a a little
1: nutty not really afraid of anything and willing to show you who's boss oh yeah
0: and and the more he flew after something and didn't catch it the angrier he got
1: you know that can work really well to his advantage as long as the anger is placed into the next yeah. Slip instead of yeah. you. So <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah.
1: But if, was was his anger normally expressed towards the Fal like towards you or the other falconers?
0: He would he definitely tried harder each time he would miss, but every time he flew back to me, he would fly harder and grab harder. So after about five miss slips, you just packed it in. There was it was just too painful. Like he would grab mm-hmm. your gloves so hard, and he would be so mad. And you're like, okay, we're done for the day because I can't handle the pain anymore. It was definitely a great experience, um, and it made me not afraid to fly any type of bird because if I can survive that bird, I can survive oh, anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I noticed that a little bit, like a, a jump between you know falcons and and especially the the uh, like like the harris's and the and the red tails. Um, the Falcons they miss and it pisses them off and they're like I'm gonna get that next time like yeah. you know and they and they get more and more motivated as they go but but like I always feel like budios are, are kind of like I missed oh, yeah. man <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm good enough like, they, they like they, yeah. they like start losing confidence until they get enough catches and then they're like okay well I'll keep trying until I get one but then I feel like you find something special when when you have when you have that that broad wing hawk that um, well you you have that red tail you have that harris's that when they miss it pisses them off and you notice they try hard the next time yeah and and they, and it makes them more and more like angry and so they they start trying to try harder to go after these rabbits and you and you slowly see progressively better or or more spectacular flights as yeah. as, as you're as you're. Uh, uh, time goes on and I, and I think that's a really special quality that not all not all uh, uh, budios have. And so it's neat that your bird kind of had that. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like my bird kind of has that this year, which I love uh, and um, but what is really awful is when that anger gets directed yeah. towards you. so how did how did you how would you go about keeping you know a bird that's being frust- taking out its frustration? See, on the falconer on you. How would you redirect that to, you know, say the quarry or or something else?
0: I learned to get other people involved because the more people I had flushing out rabbits, the better the better I could manage his anger. So, if if we had a bad slip where he just missed and he came back really hard, I would wait until we all were all in the perfect position so that that next slip would be a lot easier for him. And he started, you know, after about two years, it really took him a long time to really get with the game of um, don't direct it towards me, direct it towards the rabbit. And he really started just nailing rabbits after that. (laughs) And he just, honestly, as far as hunting, one of the best birds I ever had. Um, You just had to be ballsy. (laughs) And it was never directed towards the other people in the field, it was always, my fault that he couldn't Mm -hmm. catch the rabbit so Mm -hmm. it
1: just became kind
0: of taking that aggression and curving it into what i wanted him to do directing
1: it to where it should be or at least away from you yeah (laughs) so it seems like the answer is just get more rabbits in front yes (laughs) i feel like that's so much easier said than done at times uh uh, trying to make sure that your your bird has enough slips because we want what's best for them i i mean it's it's so interesting that we we love our birds so much and and but so many apprentices especially um, we trap our birds we train them and then we want to release them and and it, it it's crazy how attached we get, but then are still willing to let go of them. Well, I think <laughs> because we
0: appreciate them for what they are, mm-hmm. not for what they provide for us as much as what the relationship that we have with them. And it's, it's, it's really all about them. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like a lot of times when I go out in the field with my birds, I'm the dog, Yeah, absolutely. you know, cool I mean, that's, that's all I really am. I'm just there to watch them happen yeah and watch there, them be themselves
1: there is kind of a misconception where we think where uh, some people who don't know a whole lot about falconry think we're using the birds to to get game for us and then it's the it's the lazy way to hunt when in, <laughs> in reality it's like it's like we want to just see the spectacular flight we want to witness the the predator prey relationship and we want the hawk to have this um success and then it's honestly for falconers it's pretty rare that we even eat the food that they catch we <laughs> we, we like save all of it for the bird uh, most of the time the stuff they're catching isn't even that good to eat so I, like like jackrabbits most of them are getting, they're gross they're nasty maybe i'll eat a cottontail here and there but uh, uh for the most part everything goes right to the bird we the only thing we get out of it is just the enjoyment of being out there with them
0: i mean, you know i always say to people it, I'm just amazed that I'm privileged enough to be a part of their world. Yeah. You know, to just be witness to it. And I I think if you can't put yourself in that position where you're Mm -hmm. just appreciating the fact that you get to be there while they do what they do and they allow you to be so close and to be there right when they've caught something. That to me it's still so amazing that this bird that was wild allows you to walk up while they're eating a rabbit and then they gladly step off of that onto your fist again and ready to go again. Like, what? <laughs> I still, it baffles me. It's Within just... a
1: short amount of time too, most red tails can be trained within three or four weeks. The, and so it's like, so like fastest? in like three or four weeks, you're, you're like out hawking and, and this bird already understands and, and, and can see the relationship, the relationship that they can have with you.
0: The fastest we ever got a bird from trap to the field was eight days. Oh, wow. awesome. Like, that's but yeah. but he nice, was like a late catch bird. We got him January thirty first, um, and in California we used to have a trapping season, and it mm-hmm. ended January thirty first. So he, we called him Chance because it was our last chance to catch a bird, <laughs> and he just happened to be really greedy bird. He loved to eat. Uh, he was fat when we caught him, and he was hopping to the fist the next day. Wow. So it was like, yeah, he was like one of the best birds we've ever trained. Normally
1: when you capture a bird fat, it always takes them nearly a (laughs) week to hop to the fist.
0: Yeah, he was, it was just one of those weird circumstances Mm -hmm. where everything fell into place and we were out in the field uh, probably about four weeks after we trapped him and he, um, he ended up just taking off and so we, you know, we lost him, which was fine because he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. It, it happens, that's
1: the kind of beauty part about I think not using telemetry or GPS is you're giving the bird the opportunity to leave and if it, if it leaves and doesn't want to come back, it's gone. It's <laughs> like, gone. Yeah, and and it's their natural habitat, and you just got to trust and hope that they know what they're doing, and they'll be able to you know survive the rest of their the rest of their life, and and hope that what the time that they spent with you was sufficient to yeah. help them out through the rest of their days.
0: I kind of think of well, us as personal trainers, you know. Yeah, like kind of. We we feed them the best food. We weigh them. We check their muscle mass, and we really work out with the birds, you yeah. know. So. They are probably the most fit birds out there when they do get released because they've been really training on a mm-hmm. high intensity level.
1: That's awesome. Uh, what was the name of your first hawk? I, I, I can't his remember. His name what you was
0: said. Navar.
1: Navar. Okay, of course. That's actually a cool name. Like he that. was.
0: His name was Bullet when I got him. He would when he was in his giant hood yeah. would pop up and hit the roof and the first time I heard the guy said you'll hear it, it'll scare <laughs> you and it literally sounded like someone had shot a bullet through my car oh, it scared the pants. I pulled over and checked on him, I'm like you okay but um, yeah. he uh, he became Navar, mm-hmm.
2: he
1: was and good awesome, so what are you guys mostly flying flying now, I'll, I'll have
2: you go first, I've been flying a Lanner Falcon for about 7, 8 years now I'm flying a bird that Anita had, we traded because my peregrine was being too noisy and I couldn't deal with it. (laughs) So, um, I, I flew another one for about a little over six years. Um, and, and he got eaten. So he flew off and got eaten by red tails. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: I haven't heard very many stories of the, the, of red tails getting falcons. Normally, yeah. normally I hear eagles getting them.
2: I think he flew right into her. You know, <laughs> I seriously do. Um, I, you know, I followed her Followed the signal around. I kind of saw something that I thought had happened, and then um, I followed the what turned out to be this big female red tail for a mm-hmm. couple of hours. Um, got my telemetry back about three days later, still attached to a leg. So
1: <sighs> so heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, it's tough. it's tough, you know, especially right. somebody that you fly every day, you know, I mm-hmm. tend to fly every day.
1: That, that is part of the risk of flying. My my sponsor was the first person to tell me this, um, is there's falconers who who lose birds, meaning either they die or they, you know, get eaten or, or sick or, or fly away. There's falconers that lose birds and there's falconers who are going to lose birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are two types of falconers. I mean it happens
0: it happens and it
1: happens. Um, and, and that's kind of part of part of the risk we're not sheltering these animals like we do you know a lot of a lot of our pets um, they're out in the wild exposed to many of the same risks that a lot of these other wild animals are exposed to right um but that that is that is super super unfortunate uh and it's Seems oh, yeah. like the it longer you fly falcons, the more often it happens. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Well, a falcon's a more dynamic animal. Yeah, and um, and they fly big. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's all while they're up in the air flying around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've flown I don't know how many peregrines now. Um, I had a. a a hybrid, a Barbary cross with a Saker Falcon, mm-hmm. male Barbary and Saker that I flew for about six years that was just, would follow my truck around wherever I'd, you know, I'd get around and be on a site, start driving around, and she would she'd fly around, and as soon as she wanted some food, she'd um, cross back and forth in front of my truck, I'd get out, lure flyer a couple of times, and... Um, Give her a leg, put her back up again. She could be out for four hours easy. Um, if I wanted to catch something with her, um, just uh, kind of ignore her, put her up for about an hour, and she'd take something. She'd take. She'd find
1: a pigeon
2: or a, yeah, usually, or anything
1: that you could flush. Yeah,
2: all kinds of stuff. Um, and yeah, she caught a lot of game. That was fun. Um, and then flying what was that falcon's name. Uh, that was. Um, uh, Vegas Vegas yeah she was it was there's all these birds that are just like the pinnacle experience that you mm-hmm. have um, you know and and she was really really an interesting uh, fun one to fly um, a lot of these jobs that I'm working uh, they're more suited to Harris Hawks you put a bird up have it sitting around somewhere maybe follow you around you know flushing game with them so you you said jobs what jobs are you are you doing that involves birds of prey i've worked on landfills i do some um industrial work um worked on vineyards vineyards falcons work better um Mm -hmm. but uh lots of vineyards here in california yeah (laughs) lots of vineyards yeah i was just involved in a really neat project where um uh, the city was getting ready to remove some second-growth timber mm-hmm. and they didn't want to have any nesting birds there so I started at the end of January and finished up in uh, my part of the project in uh, July mm-hmm. where I was flying, we would put these platforms up in these trees about 180 foot up and so we would climb and repel and call the birds up um, to us That's and we were cool. mainly using Harris Hawks. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. Uh, for, for those who are listening and, and don't know, but they, this uh, uh, type of job is called embatement and it's, it's using a, uh, a bird of prey uh, to basically just humanely scare off the pests. Um, all the all the pest birds like seagulls or or starlings or or anything else that might be in the area and 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 just the presence of a bird of prey flying around in the area will typically scare off most any smaller bird Um, but it's a great you know humane way to go about it instead of like using poisons or loud noises or a lot of stuff doesn't even work very well. And then right. <laughs> come to find out that yeah. embatement ends up working better than all of it and it saves most companies way more money doing it that way. We
0: actually do cost analysis mm-hmm. of how much like crop they're losing or how much product they're losing and how much it's gonna cost for us to come in. And it's amazing that it's cheaper mm-hmm. to have a falconer on staff with a you know variety of birds. But, and the funny part is, is especially Harris Hawks, It almost becomes like this game to them. Um, My Harris Hawk likes to fly when a seagull's flying across, he'll mm-hmm. kind of fly behind a tree and then come out at the last second and you'll actually hear the seagull scream. And then he flies back to me and wiggles his butt like, yeah, I did. You <laughs> know? He thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. He's also learned to flip upside down and punch him in the chest oh, with his so feet cool. closed and it's hilarious to watch.
1: I actually saw that uh, something like that coming in on um, uh, tour, like through Santa Maria, there's kind of these rolling hills you travel through, and I saw this uh, red-tailed hawk, two harrier, uh, two um, harriers, um, and this red-tailed hawk flips upside down and hits the harrier in the belly, and 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 the harrier loses its balance in the air and they yeah. pick back up and they're, they're having this scuffle in the middle of this, and I'm like, oh man, I wish I had a camera, um, or or at least a lens good enough to capture some of those moments. It, it's in it's. Uh, you think that you, when you see them working with the human, you think that like, oh, they do this because we taught them that. No, they do it in the wild all the time. Yeah, like, they do. Like, like right. they're just doing what they do best.
0: And because we're providing them with shelter and veterinary care and everything, mm-hmm. they, I think their personalities really kind of come out, and they mm-hmm. start figuring out fun ways to do things. You know, especially I think especially Harris Hawks are just. Cushion. yeah Yeah, they're just kind of they're goofy you know and people don't really attribute personalities like that to birds but i think every single bird we fly has a different personality and And
1: definitely out of all the all the you know hawks out there it's it does feel like harris's have like the most kind of outgoing personalities they they just do a lot of goofy funny things (laughs) that are just so dorky and and you kind of go why why are you doing that (laughs) that's so weird and and I mean, part of it is because they're like you know the most social you know, bird of prey out there, um, and and it, it almost feels like a a Harris's acts like a like a like a baby or, or a juvenile's life, and then but like red tails, they'll kind of have that goofy dorky stage early, and then they get they get serious. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and so, um, uh, it's really neat seeing the personalities between each one, and and notice how. Certain personalities work better for different, um, uh, for different, you know, situations. You could have a bird better for abatement, and then another one better for rabbits, and another. And it could all be the same species, but just because of you know their size, their skill, or personality, they're going after vast or and doing vastly different things.
0: Well, we were just talking. I have two Harris Hawks that are brothers. <laughs> and not only do they look different one of them's very clean looking and he's really dark and the other one looks he always looks like he just came out of the shower i like <laughs> he always has feathers out of place and he's much more adventurous he likes to do big flights where his brother is very focused and it's for two brothers to be so vastly different from each, other, you would never know that they were related because yeah. they're so different from each other. And they're both really fun. It's just <laughs> different scenarios for each bird seems to work. That
1: is, uh, yeah, it, it's it's great and it's cool finding those those personalities that work, uh, you know, really really well. Not every single bird is going to be a good falconry bird. There are some that just have a more difficult time with it, but uh, given the time and patience, you can usually find something for them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think a lot more of the the success of a certain bird is more placed on the falconer than so much the, 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 the bird itself report itself. i
2: think it's a crapshoot you know <laughs> i'm really um you know i've had sometimes i've had some falcons have. that didn't work very well for me and sometimes that happens and as i understand the, the easiest thing is is trade it off to somebody else because it's a new environment the mm-hmm. bird could work out well with somebody, somebody else, else. So
1: somebody else could have a personality that just clicks really well with the personality of the, the, the right. bird and, and i feel like there's people out there that have just this natural affinity with animals somehow they yeah any animal they get it that animal loves them and you don't know why
0: you know i, I actually had a female harris hawk that i tried flying <laughs> i worked with her i we just didn't mesh and I really felt like she wasn't this great bird I ended up giving her to another falconer and he loves her mm-hmm. like loves her and they work so well together and I'm so glad that I decided to not keep trying but rather pass her off to somebody else yeah. and see how it works out for them
1: yeah that's that's a that's a cool option and well and then if it if it really isn't working out if you have a wild caught bird just release it
0: just let it go See <laughs> uh,
1: oh by the way if you guys are listening and you hear some rustling around uh there is a hyacinth macaw sitting right next to us what's her name
0: his name is magic
1: magic so hyacinth macaw named magic he's playing in uh the newspaper um so he's making a little bit of noise and the dogs are begging uh are under the table begging for our attention (laughs) yeah well and sort of battling each other uh, fighting each other for the attention as well yeah um so it's apologize for the noise but if you do want to see these the the hyacinth uh definitely check out the video version on our on my youtube at wilderness wonders um you'll you'll see the hyacinth mincing around and it's uh big old bird he's making a funny face right now look at that
0: are you goofy
1: he's being a goofball
0: he is Uh, he's very playful i love
1: hyacinth macaws the (laughs) hyacinth macaws are the the largest um um uh macaw well parrot species and so it's it's cool that we we got one sitting right here
0: (laughs) (laughs) and they don't breed well in Mm -hmm. captivity so there's very few people that actually breed them i was Mm -hmm. he was given to me like he was what? a Yeah, I know. You know, there's
1: people who dream their whole life to have a hyacinth and can't find one, you have one given to you.
0: I, I used to joke with a friend of mine who bred birds. <laughs> I said, One day I'm gonna have a hyacinth and it's gonna be free. And she's like, Oh right, and he said that'll never happen. Oh yeah, it did. It happened. Yeah. Hi.
1: Hi. He's talking
0: Hello. now. Yeah,
1: Hello. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes.
0: And when he wants out, he says, And the birds want out.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> he is a cute bird. That is so awesome. Uh, somebody also let me know that I should ask you about a certain trip that you took. So, um, I don't know if they're, they're setting you up to make you look funny or, or, <laughs> or if it's going to be. I don't, I, I don't know what's in store. <laughs>
0: so um, very early on in Zooty Yu's career, we started mm-hmm. working with Jack Hanna who is kind of like a grandfather to my kids now because we started working with him when my daughter was about nine months old. Started touring all over the country with Mm -hmm. him, doing shows everywhere. We were on different, um, like The Tonight Show, we did um, Letterman, did all kinds of different stuff. And he was invited by the president of Rwanda to come and tour the country. So he put together a group of people, and we were fortunate, my husband and I and my daughter, who was 12 at the time, got to go on this trip to Rwanda, which many people were very afraid of us taking our child there because they did go through a big, huge genocide. But I have to say, the safest country in Africa. It is amazing. Even their prisoners only have three-foot wall around the prison, but they don't leave. It's weird, but it's a beautiful country, and we got to tour all over. And of course, everywhere we went, because we were asked by the president, um, every hotel that we arrived at, every place that we went, there would be people dancing and (laughs) serving us drinks and doing all this stuff. And I didn't really think about it at the time until a friend of mine went to Rwanda, and I'm like, isn't it great how everywhere you go, people dance for you? And she goes, no, Anita. That was because you <laughs> worked with Jack, <laughs> but we actually got to go out into this lake that is bordered by Tanzania, and there's an elephant that lives in this lake, and big, humongous bull elephant, and this tribe of pygmies oh,
1: he's making noise that
0: um, <laughs> that lived there in Tanzania. We went on a boat we actually bought a boat had it shipped there so we could go out on this lake and we went and met the elephant and then he was way out in the water and this guy with a banana leaf and a yam and he swims out there to this big bull elephant and the bull elephant's (laughs) name is Mutuale and he's sitting there waving the elephant in like it's a big 747 he's like Mutuale Mutuale and then he starts swimming as fast as he can (laughs) back for shore and here comes this elephant out of the water and We're talking and we're filming, because he had his whole film crew there, and I turn around, and there's my 12-year-old daughter petting the tongue of this big bull elephant, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm gonna lose my child on this trip. I just know I'm, (laughs) and so I told her after that, I said, okay, when we see wild animals, make sure that one of the guys that was with, was with us, his name is Ernie. I said, make sure Ernie goes first, and you always be behind Ernie because Ernie's slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
1: actually, it, uh, I'm in the middle of reading a book you might know, um, but it's called The Elephant Whisperer. Have yes. You heard of that one. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was I was listening to it on the drive on the drive here, um, and they're such incredible animals. Uh, from what at least I've seen so far among you know all the animal kingdom, the most emotional animals other than humans tend to be elephants yes um, I, it sounds like you agree i do I, I, I don't know how many other people agree if you think there's a, a an emotion a more you know emotional species um, out there and can express it like elephants can <laughs>
0: well, the fact let that us they, know the uh, fact that they will more, go but. to graveyards and mourn over oh yeah family members that have been lost. It's um I love elephants. I respect them immensely. Um but my best friend was actually killed by an elephant. Oh no. And still to this day, I still think that they are the most amazing animals. I that was her whole life was taking care of elephants. And um weirdly she said, If I if the world were to end today I would want to be with the elephants. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a weird ending but um but amazing animals, so incredibly intelligent. It's just mm-hmm. cool to watch them. You have to respect their <laughs> their power, that's for sure. Amen. And she just oh, happened to be in the wrong place. Yeah. It was one elephant charging another and she just was in the way. Oh man, that's so unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, f- I mean, uh, there are many, many um, well-dedicated people who have been a part of conservation, education, who have been um, unfortunately, met their demise or, or, or um, was killed by the very animals that they're trying to save, and, that, and that's that, that. I mean, that's happened more than once. Yeah, sure. I think we all think of Steve Irwin when I say that, and 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 how unfortunate it was. Uh, but I feel like even if that happened to maybe me or or a lot of these other well dedicated people, it's almost like well. I'd rather go out doing what I love. (laughs)
0: That's that's exactly how I feel. I'd rather go out doing what I love than, you know, on a freeway Mm -hmm. in a traffic accident or something. It's, I just, I admire people that dedicate their life to one species. Like I I don't know that I could ever do that, but you know, you look at like Laurie Marker. Sometimes it's what it
1: takes in order to have an impact on a certain certain species. It's, I mean, I wish we could just help them all, but (laughs) you gotta, you gotta hyper-focus and that's, that. I mean, I see, I see that trend among, um, even when it comes to just falconry and training, training birds of prey, a lot of falconers tend to hyper-focus into one or two species. Um, I noticed that you've got just a ton of Harris's. (laughs) Would you consider that your, like, your focus?
0: They, they are definitely my favorite. Um, I like not just that they're easy to train and they um, seem to be a little bit more on the personality side, Mm -hmm. um, and then they all have their different personalities, but because of the social nature of Harris Hawks, they understand it, they get it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well you're part of my world now and we will do this together. So it kind of reminds me of a Labrador Retriever. It's like, come on, let's go, have fun. Um, And I think um, they're the most versatile bird that we fly. Um, so I I really do enjoy them, um, but because I also work in the abatement field, having a good selection of Harris Hawks that do different things seems to um, be really important. Mm-hmm. I just recently, four years ago, started flying falcons. And going from a Harris Hawk, which you almost can't lose, to a falcon that's flying these huge circles around yeah. you is like the most nerve-wracking thing that I ever did. Um, and thank God I had a lot of really good mentors to teach me, but still makes me nervous. Every mm-hmm. time I let one of my falcons go and it goes really far away or I can't see it anymore, it knows where I am. Mm-hmm. I might not know where it is. It still gives mm-hmm. me a heart attack.
1: But. And that, that happens, uh, I, I, was, I was out with uh, Steve Chingren and his, his bird flew seven miles away and it came back. Yeah. like it was, it was very incredible. Um, To see that and and what we get what we think happened is his bird went up. Um, This was actually Badger Badgers my favorite that he has Um, and flew up and he uh, Badger saw a most likely saw a white truck which is the same one Steve drives and and it just followed that truck seven miles away And, (laughs) and so so we're looking at the GPS thinking, What's he doing? This has never happened before you know kind of thing and until we get back in the truck, we start driving and Badger saw us from seven miles away and came right back.
0: Like how and, crazy that, is and, that?
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Like if if you done it right, it seems like your bird'll your bird'll find you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's you know, I think that's the most incredible thing about flying falcons is when they're up in the sky mm-hmm. they not only see you but they see for miles in every direction mm-hmm. so you may be going okay i'm going to flush this bird this duck off this pond for you and the falcon's like no wait a second there's a whole bunch of ducks seven miles away you know or
1: pigeons or, yeah. or falcons or, <laughs> or anything Yep. Uh, so, and then and then there are the, thank goodness for telemetry um but it it must have been incredible for those before telemetry looking for their birds by watching other birds you know like or or finding out where their bird was based off of how the ravens or the crows were acting or maybe uh, um Uh, Some rough-legged hawks were nearby or an eagle was flying around and that's how you found your bird is when your bird starts Getting in danger is when you'd find your bird because then you know where it's at But now We can find them so much faster
0: and it's almost it's almost like cheating You know that we can just look at our phone and wherever that blue dot is is where our bird is but you know, you, like you said, you used to have to like watch the wild birds around you to kind mm-hmm. of figure out where your bird was. If there was a really quiet spot where no birds were making any noise, probably because your predator is sitting in a tree somewhere. Or if a bunch of crows are, you know, gangbanging and swooping down and making a lot of noise, well, that's probably where your bird is. Mm-hmm. And we used to rely on that, finding our birds. Yeah. I... using
1: using crows to find your bird yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the
1: crows and ravens love harassing the birds prey around here that's how I found a passage on the beach yesterday uh, passage red tails several crows were diving in on them and 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 I'm like what are they diving in on and I I look and I knew exactly what it was because I saw the nice little white breast <laughs> of, a, of a passage red tail and, and I'm like, there's a red tail right in that tree. And so <laughs> I couldn't even see anything else. Or, or, and, but I knew it was passage red tail. I went up and got to watch this beautiful um, passage red tail diving and, you know, some grass for mice and things like that for, for quite a while. Let, it, let me get like 10 feet right up to it. And, and I've never had that happen before where a wild passage red tail let me get that close. And I was talking to you about it. And you said it's been happening a lot lately.
0: It has was, been happening a lot
1: like do you do you happen to know
0: why my my theory is that they are hungry because we had so many fires come through Mm -hmm. california so the because there's not as much grass as there and undergrowth as there used to be so our rodent and lagomorph population is has decreased Mm -hmm. so then you have all these passage birds that managed to get through whatever fire was raging through their area but there's not enough food for them so i think hunger will cause them to do behaviors that they you wouldn't normally see mm-hmm. and I, my daughter literally was so close to when she almost grabbed it with her hands it was so close and i think they're just they're hungry and they're they're being bolder and you know Nature's necessity. Well yeah. you know, you're here. Yeah,
1: so now so now they're spending more time closer to people where they normally wouldn't and they're they're kind of becoming a little desensitized.
0: Well and we see that too in California with our mountain lions, that when we yeah. have a lot of fires the mountain lions will be down in the city and people are like, Oh my gosh, there's mountain lions everywhere no, they've always been there. Yeah, <laughs> They're just desperate enough to come down into the cities and stuff. <laughs> Most people just have a
1: hard time getting their shoes dirty. Yeah. <laughs> they want to stay on the, they want to stay on the concrete. Uh, and so they never they don't get to see the the amazing world around them.
0: I just I you know you said you noticed the the ravens and the crows mm-hmm. making noise. How many people saw them and just went, "Oh my gosh, they're so obnoxious," not realizing what was happening right in front of them mm-hmm. and completely unaware and you know i think once we become falconers we become so hyper aware of what every bird in the area is doing i think doing. we get excited about it too yeah, we You're do
1: and we're like oh there's a you know even though it's like this the most common you know uh, bird of prey in all of north america and <laughs> we still get excited like a child on christmas and Yeah. So, uh, i mean at least i do i don't know if every falconer does <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. uh, you know Given given a, f- a few decades, maybe more, people kind of go. Oh, it's another one. I don't know.
0: But I no, because I've you been doing this. I still get excited. I still get excited. Yeah, every awesome. every bird. I mean, think about it. the red tail is the most successful bird we have in North America. Mm-hmm. Like they have filled every niche that we have, and they thrive. No matter what we've thrown at them, they have
1: they do so well
0: they do so well and it's just amazing to me that they can be on a skyscraper in new york city or they can be out in the middle of the mojave desert or wherever and they thrive so every time i see one in the wild it's like that's amazing
1: it is pretty cool that i I do think that they are one of the the, they're definitely you know the top i think three most beautiful birds of prey out there in the world And it's just really cool that they're like one of the most common here in North America, (laughs) so so (laughs) it makes it really neat.
0: And I love the transition, you know, when they're young and they're in that immature plumage, and they, um, and then they transition into this completely different looking bird, and they seem to like sleek out once they get their Mm -hmm. adult feathers. It's, I love that. Well, they do
1: get, they do end up looking a little thinner because they do have more feathers when they're young, uh, in in their juvenile plumage, and then when they're older, they they lose a little bit of that like down feather so um they lose a little bit of the the insulation that they once had yeah <laughs> and so they do they do end up looking a little thinner a little sleeker and 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 some people swear that they're even faster <laughs> after after the first year
0: who know i mean yeah. you look at bald eagles and you look at those first year bald eagles and mm-hmm. they're humongous compared they to the parents they do look big yeah they and they aren't i mean like if you were to weigh them, they probably weigh the same, but there's so much more feather to them mm-hmm. that they just look huge. And
1: I it's part of the reason a lot of the juvenile bald eagles uh, have a lot of jacked up or messed up feathers because they're so dang clumsy, and so sometimes <laughs> it makes their them look bigger too because they got like a feather out this way and on and like and and, it, and it's so funny. I think that happens with most young birds in general, even parrots. They tend to break or lose a lot of feathers just because they're they're clumsy. They're just, they're young and figuring it out. And so, yeah. and, and it's so adorable seeing a, seeing a few bent out of place feathers on some <laughs> of these eagles. Uh, they're great. Do you get to see bald eagles in this area?
0: I uh, actually, I was actually flying my Saker falcon out in the field behind the house. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a group of probably about a hundred crows and ravens that fly from, the south end of our property over to north of our property, and usually as soon as I walk out with my falcon, they, they're gone, they're yeah. out of here. And I was flying him, and I see this shadow pass over me, and I thought, well, that's odd that mm-hmm. this <laughs> raven is still here, and then he does it. he flies by me, does a nice pass, and he's my falcon's flying up to do a little dive back at me again, and as I look up at him, I realize it's a bald eagle flying over, and he's turning towards my Saker falcon. And so I called him down, and even as he was on the ground, just before I picked him up, that bald eagle was in a dive, coming straight at him, and it wasn't until I picked him up and had him on my glove that he veered off and took off. And scary, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because a bald eagle will most definitely try to take him out to the sky, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see them um, definitely during the migration they come through.
1: Awesome. I I tend to see them mostly through, uh, like December through February. They kind of come and hang out near Utah Lake, and they they love that area for catching fish and everything like that. And and we've been able to see like six on one tree before, and it's pretty pretty cool uh, sight to see. Uh, and 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 out in the sagebrush desert, we do find. Um, see bald eagles and golden eagles out there. When you see one, you are just kind of like, well, yeah, let's let's be done for today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, and, and the red tails, you don't have as much of a risk because normally they don't fly away enough to to make that that eagle brave enough to come down. Uh, but you know, there's the, that one time they fly <laughs> too far, and and then your your hawk's gone, which is which can be an un, unfortunate. No, oh, but uh, we're roughly running out of time. Um, but one last question I want to ask both of you, actually: What has been one of your most memorable falconry moments? Like one, that one time that just kind of stuck with you. It can, I mean, it can either be a cool story or or a bird that's always you always kind of your mind always comes back to. Um, what's kind of that moment that you're like? man this is why i love falconry this is why i practice falconry
0: you know one time i was out flying my um first male harris hawk and he was young Mm -hmm. um and he was flying with his brother but he went into this just barreling down this hill one time and i'm looking trying to see what he's seen and he caught this big huge jackrabbit all by himself, and he was so proud of himself. And I just remember coming down on it, and he was standing on this jackrabbit, and it was one of those pivotal moments where you realize that these birds are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. It for you know a 600 gram bird to catch a four pound jack that's that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, it. I well even my my hawk's like little over two pounds but she caught herself an eight-pound white-tailed jackrabbit like if they can pin that head down they got it like mm -hmm. it's amazing
0: I always say to the kids it's like your dad catching a rhino with his bare hands I'm not saying that your dad can't do that but
1: yeah I mean like it's me trying to hold down a 600 pound person like it's just
0: They're amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, it's amazing that they're able to do that and can figure out a way to hold down an animal like that. Um, but it is hilarious when a hawk grabs onto a jackrabbit and they just go for a rodeo ride. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always entertaining to see. <laughs> that is. Cool. Yeah. How about you? What's been kind of your your... Like, There's so many this.
2: moments. There's so many things. <laughs> well, I, I love lure flying share, a bird. A few, I a love um, lure flying a bird um, and hunting with a falcon because they go out and do such a dynamic thing and you have to really watch. You have to stay really focused. Um, you know, uh, there was uh, one time on a landfill um, you know, I was flying a peregrine, and an autumn peregrine, and I just I didn't want to move because I you know, he'd fly around and fly the area mm-hmm. flushed up and then he'd come back and he'd just land right next to me and I was up above the action, up above um, the the active face that was happening where they were moving garbage around with tractors. And you know, it actually was actually you know a month's worth of times like that. At the end of the day, I'd take and just fly him really hard afterwards, um, unless he you know unless he was catching dove you know on site and you know then he he'd usually have enough, too much food uh, for me to keep flying him. Um, Harris hawks are very interactive um and the way they fly is really dynamic. Um, I was flying four of them at a time um, a bit this summer uh, on a project um, mm-hmm. and so i mentioned it before we were we had these platforms about 180 foot up three different trees we uh, hook harness in, climb up the tree, be up top, and then, I started throwing food for them. So the bird had chased this food down, then they'd be coming back up. Apex predator in the area that's moving around so dynamically. All the other animals are watching this. We had a a young blue heron that was around on a regular basis for about a month. And then finally, it just took off. Um, but he would he would come squawking out of there, um, all gangly like. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, fine." So, but that's <laughs> what we were there to do was just to keep keep these trees clear of, of um, birds for when they were gonna when they removed some of the trees, second growth timbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got something like a, a parrot that comes over. And you know, you're talking on your phone. Knocks into you just to get your attention. Um, I I had a a starling um, that we got from I pulled from a nest at about two weeks. You hand feed them for about three or four days, and then they're self feeding and thermoregulating. They can regulate their own temperature. You don't have to keep them warm anymore raised him up. We had him he lived um he only lived for like five years. But I'm sitting at my desk one day and he's looking out of this dog crate <laughs> that I kept him in. He had a couple perches and a bath pan, always a bath pan. And he says stupid horse stupid stupid horsey and I'm going what where did he get this thing still trying to figure it out where that came from Uh, you know uh, animals are amazing dogs again I'll I'll go back the dogs are are the most amazing uh, animals but to have a long wing that goes up Sometimes, you know, with thermals and a warm day and skies out, and you're looking for it, you can find it maybe with binoculars. Um, you know, it's up, you know, easily 12, 1500 feet. It's just an amazing experience, especially when you can flush game for them and they just go into a, a stoop that's that long. Usually you want them a little closer to catch stuff, but to see them... Go through that, you know. Go through it's those amazing ways. to witness. Ah, bragging rights! I took a pig with a Harris hawk, so it was a piglet. <laughs> we flushed the mom. We were looking for jacks. The mom flushed. She was about two hundred pounds, two hundred fifty pounds. And then I see all these, you know, short-eared rabbits, and I'm going, "What?" You know, it took me a minute to figure it. And my hair went in and grabbed one, you know, it was probably a four or five pound piglet. Um, oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got
1: to bag a piglet. That's really cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good. That is neat.
1: Um, I mean, you almost bagged a coyote at one point. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <that is>
0: crazy.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I feel like you totally missed an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> i don't mean to make you feel bad or anything because that's such an awesome story that even that your bird was brave enough to catch one and <laughs> and uh, are there people out there who even hawk pigs like is that even a thing i've never heard of that happening
2: i think it would be a pretty dangerous thing because Probably, what if strong if animals the female you know flushed back. you know uh, yeah if she came back Ooh, i've taken pigs with my dogs before mm-hmm. and um it's
0: scary because pigs are oh, nasty it's awesome though.
2: oh
1: yes. yeah they can cause damage yeah they're they scary can. animals they're strong t- i've raised i raised pigs in ffa here um throughout high school they're they're, they're mm-hmm. so strong and they don't even um <laughs> and the wild ones are even they're terrifying oh, yeah. um, that's cool <laughs> that you can say that wow you caught a piglet back to pig, <laughs> back to pig.
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> That is so awesome. Well, thank you, you two, for uh, showing me around and 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 enjoying some uh, hawking with you guys and and seeing um, uh, the falcon fly a little bit. That was really really cool. And sitting down and having a conversation. Um, is there uh, any social media plugins you'd like me to uh, plug in for you?
0: Sure. Um, the company that my daughter and I run is called The Falconry Experience. Um, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and um, I'll put links of course,
1: for those in the description. Of course
0: well. our website. Mm-hmm. But we do falconry experiences yeah. all over the western US.
1: Awesome. I'll make sure to definitely put that in the description so they can find you. Is there anything cool. you would like to tag in there?
2: I have a, a company Full Circle Falconry and Wildlife Management. Um, so I do abatement work, but I also do a lot of educational stuff. Um, I've been last year. We participated in seven different Renaissance fairs, so awesome. um, it's way fun. Um, get to tease people all day long. Um, you know, usually three or four shows a day, and um, I think my favorite, my, the funniest
1: question I always get at those shows are. Uh, uh, does your bird come back? Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're like, no, nope. never. <laughs> like the bird's sitting there. <laughs> My favorite response is I always find that yeah. oh, so funny. Like, of course he comes back. If you, the one I wouldn't even have
2: him. Like, exactly. My favorite response so. is, oh, this bird's come back every time so far yeah there you go you know sometimes they spend the night out you know sometimes you lose track of a bird and,
1: sometimes you know. the the question that comes out of their mouth isn't always what they mean
0: <laughs> well i think too but we're so people fun. get so enthusiastic about asking questions mm-hmm. the first thing that pops into their mind is is the question that they ask and it isn't that they really want the answer to that question they just want to engage you because yeah. it's such an interesting thing to them
1: for sure and it, and it is always kind of funny when you, when
2: you do things
0: about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Nope. Never does. No, it never comes back. Never they comes never back. Come back. <laughs> uh, they never come
2: back. <laughs> I just
0: get a new bird every, <laughs> every day. Yeah. Every day. I,
1: I just go and grab a new one because they never stay. Oh, man. Well, again, thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure being here. Um, can't wait to maybe even come back and bring my hawk.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, see, see her definitely. fly around
1: uh, sometime. It may have to wait till next season, but um, it's gonna happen.
0: Well, you <laughs> at some you point. did amazing with that bird. She is awesome. I got lucky.
1: <laughs> I got lucky with a good bird. Um, <laughs> I I, cool. I don't know if if I am either. Uh, you know, good with training animals, or good with training birds of prey, or I just keep getting lucky with good animals because I feel like most of the animals I get, or have the opportunity to train, just figure it out. <laughs> and They're smart animals and they do well.
0: You you only get lucky so many times. After that, <laughs> it's skill. I don't
1: know. I they're really nice animals.
0: <laughs> most of them are just so sweet.
2: Life
1: is. I an run experiment. into a lot of sweet animals. Yeah. And, Life and, is an experiment. Um, uh, but they do make me look good and that's nice (laughs) that's very very kind of them to make me look good Um, again thank you guys so much for listening and uh, watching Uh, you'll be able to uh, if you're listening go find us on on YouTube at Wilderness Wonders Uh, if you prefer to say listen to these podcasts from now on you can also find um, the audio version on most of your favorite uh, podcasting sites we're still working on getting them up on all of them but eventually they will all be there so maybe by the time you're listening to this it will be on you know the the apple podcast and and audible and places like that so uh, again thank you have a wonderful day and happy hawking